Hello and welcome to Lounge with Books. I'm Sophie. And I'm Claire. And we are two friends keeping in touch through the power of books. Uh, me and Claire are currently on our 14th book club read, which is Lost Kingdom by Laurel Black, which is a YA fantasy novel. And we're about halfway through this book now. My Kindle tells me we are over 50% of the way through. And we got to chapter 28. And these chapters were very turbulent. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of jeopardy. There was more growth between the characters. I enjoyed it. It went fast. But I did find some of the chapters were longer than we've had before. Which means I was like, oh wow, we're still in this chapter. You know, because they've been so snappy. It, I found my reading for this slowed a bit because of, of the length of the chapters, which, to be honest, isn't a bad thing. I just noticed it more. I felt as well these chapters, there was quite a lot of talking between Jeddak and Raven. It was very much like that. There wasn't, there isn't too much I don't think we mm. can discuss in these, in these chapters that we've read. And like you say, there was a lot of fighting there was a lot of talking, a lot of fighting, a lot of talking type mm. of but thing. But as, it was as a bit usual, like that. it ended on a cliffhanger. And I'm like, it's every seven chapters. It's not just like natural cliffhanger territory. Because yeah. certain chapters just, you know, end and you go into the other one quite naturally. But I swear whenever we finish reading, it's like, there's an archer. No one knows who the archer is, but they've saved the day. Where are they now? <laughs> and I'm like, what? I want to know. What I want to know is, is do you think that is the same person that was in market at end yes because somebody in the market did save her from the mate i say save her she wasn't really doing anything bad with the magi but magi are just untrustworthy and he came in and saved her and he he almost had a bit of a aragorn strider sort of feel in his cloak and you couldn't see him and he was like leave her alone so it could be him because he seems to be following them around and I think when Sora met Raven in the mine, she said she wasn't alone and there were other people looking for Raven. So I wonder if he's actually one of her people. Yeah, why doesn't why doesn't he just show himself? Yeah, why hasn't he approached her? Why is he keeping hidden? Yeah, or at arm's length, because there's been plenty of time yeah. for him to take her away from Jeddak. Well, certainly in the present moment that we've mm. read up to, there is a... You know, he could reveal himself very easily. And he's clearly on her side. Yes, so... On their side. The archer could definitely be him. He's not even taken out Jeddak. So, you mm. know. Yeah, it's weird that he's not approached Raven because he's clearly looking out for her. But maybe him and Raven had a disagreement and he doesn't know that Raven's lost her memories. I don't know, but... So far, still a lot of intrigue in the book. We're kind of on the adventure now. They've got to get to the mountains, but there's just so many rafflelands in the way. The hurdles, lots and lots of obstacles. So we're going to be reading the next seven chapters, just because I think that it's quite a good rhythm that we're in, and it always seems to be yeah. roughly about 60 to 70 pages, which is, I think, a good way to cruise through this book. So that will take us up to chapter 35. So do read along with us. We'll be getting to chapter 35 in the book and we will be hopefully discussing a bit more about it. But as with most fantasies, the plot is so tightly interwoven now that we don't want to give too much away to spoil it. But other than that, what else have we been reading, Claire? Well, I am currently still reading California Scheme and I'm so close to the end. I so wanted to finish it before this podcast. It's like one of these books, look. It, it doesn't actually look like it's 
many pages which it isn't it's like 260 odd pages and it just seems to be taking me a long time to read it and I don't know why because I I have enjoyed the start of this book the end of this book I'm finding it a bit trudgy there's a lot of drinking there's a lot of partying there's a lot of girls there's a lot of loud music there's but I just feel like God, any minute, both of them could drop dead. There's a lot of fighting going on. And oh, I don't know. I just feel like it's coming to its its crescendo of what's happening. But, but I'm at the point where his partner, Bill, has basically packed his stuff and left, has gone. And did actually announce to him. Because he was, he was like tucked up in his room and wasn't coming out. And the... The way he, the author described his room, it sounded disgusting. Just like a boy had been festering in there for weeks. And he went in the room and he wasn't in there. And he'd gone back to Scotland and then he came back and announced that he was getting married to, to uh, an old sweetheart. And he's now disappeared and, I, and left Gavin. So it's all, it's all definitely coming to an end, yeah. Oh, gosh. But I'm not, I'm not enjoying this last bit as much. No, I kind of wanting it to end. Yeah, I always find with books like that focus a lot on heavy drinking or drug use or partying, because I'm not, I don't care about those things, and I find them quite boring. If I read about it, I find it even worse because I'm just like, this is boring in reality. Why would I want to read about it? <laughs> so I completely agree with you on that. I mean, I've not been very well this week, so my reading's also taken a bit of a dive. I've got the, the cough that is going around England, it would appear. So I'm still reading Welcome to the Hainan Dong Bookshop, and it is still really lovely. I've only got about 80 pages left, but it, it has been a read that I've really taken my time with. But I get every week I'm like, I'll review it next week, I'll review it next week, but it, I'm making it my mission to review this book next week. So I've got that one. I finished the... I finished The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman and wow, what an author. She was an American writer, I googled it once I'd uh, actually read it and she was a, a feminist and she wrote these books in like the 1800s which shocked me because they are so feminist and they're so forward thinking in women's place in society and I this is the sort of writing that I thought I was going to get from Virginia Woolf, but Virginia Woolf was quite dry and arty and you couldn't really understand what she was saying, whereas this woman is so straightforward and to the point and the yellow wallpaper is all about men thinking they understand women's emotions and saying, oh, women just have hysteria, whereas in actual fact, you know, she had depression. I think she'd lost her daughter as well or something to do with that. And he just locked her up in this cabin and was like, you need to sit, lie down all day. And because of that, she was so restless and uneasy. And she began to see this woman trapped behind the yellow wallpaper, which eventually she thought was herself and she needed to escape the wallpaper. And she just kind of goes crazy in the end. And it was it was really, really well written. But in this book, instead of just being the yellow wallpaper, it included two of her other short stories, which was The Rocking Chair and Old Water, which were also corkers of stories. They're, they're very small, like, short stories, but they pack a punch. So The Rocking Chair was about these two men that end up, like, 
fighting each other over this woman that neither of them have ever seen. They just see her from the window. And um, Old Water was about this man again who wanted to marry this woman even though he knew nothing about her. It's just because she didn't like him. So he wanted to have her to the point where it kind of comes to a head at the end and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to end how so many of those stories end. But it didn't. There was such a good twist. And for that, I, I was really, I really, really, really enjoyed reading this author. And I think I want to read more by her because just for a woman to be writing like this and the audaciousness of her work at that time would have been crazy. So hats off to her. So yeah, that was The Yellow Wallpaper. Brilliant short story. And her other short stories were also as good. So what rating have you given that then? I give it a strong overdue. And that was the Penguin Classic version, which had the other two stories in it. I'd say if you want to read classic literature, feminist literature, that's definitely one to give a go. Wow, that sounds really good. You know, because it was so short, Claire. It's like I could sit down, I could read it, I could understand it. And it had an impact and it made me want to go research her and the other stories that she'd written and yeah I really really enjoyed it so I've started my other classic now which I said that an ex-student had recommended to me that they said I might like it and that is Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. Oh I've read that one. Yes I've never read it and this was the only novel he published because I think everything else he did was like plays or poetry and things like that but the version that I've picked up is the version which is the original uncensored version and then also the one that was published the year after. So the original uncensored basically has less chapters in it, but it has chapters which haven't been rewritten. So there's a lot more queer undertones than there are in the actual version that was published. So I don't know if I'll read both of them or if I'll just read the uncensored one and then read the censored one, say, two years from now. I'm not sure, because it'd be weird to read them both back to back. (laughs) So I'm currently reading the uncensored version of the picture of Dorian Gray. I'm not very far. We've just been introduced to Dorian Gray and the painter who's like obsessed with him. And so far, it's it's reading quite easily. It's quite, it does remind me a bit of Virginia Woolf in the sense that it's quite poetic in how he speaks, but it's not too stream of consciousness that I don't understand what's happening. So far, it's all right. It's all right. (laughs) Well, that will be interesting. Uh, I read it, it was a long time ago when I read it, but I think from what I remember is it was very slow paced at the beginning and then all of a sudden the last 80 pages were like bang, bang, bang. That's good to know because I have found the beginning quite slow. I'm like, how is this a book? He's literally painting a man he's obsessed with. How? Where are we going from mm. here? So that's good to know that it gets more interesting, more fast paced. Yes. <laughs> and that that's all I've been reading <laughs> because obviously I read Laura Black as well. So yeah, I've I've done my first classic of the year, highly enjoyed it, on to my second one and I'm going to finish the bookshop. I'm going to finish it. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to finish California Scheming. As as something a little bit different. Um I thought I would share a little um one of my stories from my front page news outreach sessions. So I'm currently going round five care homes in Whitby talking about front page news from the Whitby Gazette in the 60s and the 70s. 
And one of the stories that I'm going to share with you, because I, I just found this, I find it quite entertaining, is from Friday, June the 26th, 1970. The front page title was Whitby's Young Weather Recorders, Grammar School Pupils' Daily Task. So just picture this, right? Okay. You've got this picture. I will put it on the um, Instagram. So you've got this picture. There's three girls. One is all the way up this ladder, right? And the other two are down at the bottom. They look like they're, you know, testing something. This is, this is what it reads like. 12-year-old Rosalind Leadbeater on the ladder, which could spell success for Whitby's holiday season. She is examining the sunshine recorder, which is just part of the mini weather station recently transferred to Whitby Grammar School from Pannock Park, where it had been a target for vandalism. Rosalind is pictured with her two fellow grammar school's second form pupils, June Meredith, 13, and Elizabeth Sanderson, 13, who her sister in keeping daily records of sun, rain, wind, and maximum and minimum temperatures. Their duties are supervised by Mr Lowey, the geography and maths master, and Bernard Stebbin, one of the senior boys. The school run the station on behalf of the Whitby Urban Council. The readings are sent each month to the meteorological office in London and are published in the Whitby Gazette. Records of rain are even sent to a Leeds insurance firm, apparently to confirm claims from the public for adverse weather during holidays. So, what? <laughs> wait, am I, those girls are doing all of that on a ladder and it's going all around the country. That doesn't seem right. <laughs> 13 year old, this is what's so hilarious is 13 year old girls are basically telling you that you can have an insurance claim. <laughs> and their technology is a ladder. <laughs> well the girl up the ladder right let me explain this one to you right she is she is seeing how much sunshine there is right and at the top of this ladder is this glass sphere right okay mm -hmm. and behind it is like this piece of card now during the day what happens so it's a little bit like you got your pair of glasses in the sand mm -hmm. and you're letting the sun go through it to burn something so this is what this is right the sun goes through this glass globe and burns the card behind. And as the sun goes round, that tells you how many hours of sunshine you had. And they're sending 13-year-old girls up this ladder. That could, like, burn. <laughs> she could just go up in flames. She could have been a human torch at the top of that ladder. Is that why the other two are there at the bottom, just to, like, douse her if she just, like, sets yeah. up flames? I just find it really quite amusing. And they are doing this 365 days a year. So they're doing it at the weekends. They're going in and they're reading the weather. And yeah. Why? I just find it quite amazing. It's not worth the extra credit, surely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just highly entertained by it anyway. That is a fascinating so, uh, story. I can't believe people do yeah, that. Yeah, so I will put that story as part of the post uh, for this uh, podcast because it is quite quite good. And anybody who's, uh, you know, lives in Whitby or, or has lived in Whitby, maybe you could comment on this uh, picture. Do, are they still maybe alive? Maybe you were one of the girls. I was going to say, you should see if they're still yeah. about. I wanna, maybe they're still doing it, Claire. Do you see any older women holding this thing <laughs> off on a ladder who you know 
I will put it on at some point. However, that does take me to my social media posting that I did this week because uh, it was Valentine's Day. Although this this will go out after Valentine's Day. I did a post for our my library and archives and I thought, oh, I need to find something interesting about Valentine's Day. And I did find something interesting. Oh, yes. I found out that Captain Cook, Captain James Cook, our famous explorer and navigator, was killed in Hawaii by natives on the 14th of February, 1779. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go to Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Serves him right, though, to be honest. The picture that I found of this as well, there's a really, I'm going to add this picture to the um, posting as well, because it, it shows Captain Cook, because what they do, what they did before the war was they took down his statue, put it in somewhere safe, um, so obviously it didn't get bombed, and then re- were putting it back in 1948. And this picture has got Captain Cook with two men standing next to him, watching two men put this capstone back on top of the statue plinth. And it just looks hilarious. It just looks like Captain Cook is supervising the whole yeah. event. Make sure my plinth's put back right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's just my uh, little bit of extra other reading. No, I like reading I is reading, and that's what's fun about reading. Whether it's fiction, non-fiction, you learn so much about the world and cultures and, and things that are going on. I mean, I'm fascinated. I didn't know either of those two things, so I've learned something today as well. I've learned <laughs> something. That, that's, your job is so fun, Claire. Well, I think so. I, you know, still doing about churches. Oh, well... Everybody can look forward to that. Claire's been researching churches for like the last two months. And I just want to know what's going on with the churches. How are there so many churches in the Whitby area? And some of the stories are amazing that you've told me so far. Yeah. So lots of interesting historic facts to look forward to, as well as obviously hearing all of our book reviews, because... I've got like several different books on the go. You've, you're going to hopefully finish your books. I think next week might be, well, hopefully a review of yours and, and my book that I've, we've been reading for quite a while. But otherwise, do make sure you, you like all of our Instagram posts. Claire works hard getting some amazing photos. That one that you posted last week with the Fisher ladies. I just thought Claire is so brave putting a paperback that close to water. And then I realised it was also raining. I was like, who gets their paperback out when it's raining? So, yeah, (laughs) Claire goes to great efforts to get these pictures for our Instagram to look pretty. So do like them and make sure you obviously follow along with the podcast and listen to all future episodes. We will be getting to chapter 35 in Laurel Black's Lost Kingdom. So join along, listen, and we'll see you next week. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. (laughs) 